In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, leprosy is a terrible disease. <clears throat> In biblical times, it was incurable. And to have leprosy, to be diagnosed with it, was to have a death sentence. It didn't mean that you were going to die right away. It meant that you were going to live a long and agonizing, painful, and miserable life until you slowly died one day. Leprosy slowly degenerates the body's tissues and then completely disfigures you over time to the point that you can't be recognized anymore. Lepers would have dead limbs still connected to their body, limbs that lost all function. And they had nothing and no one there to help them. And they would die one body part at a time until it reached their vital organs. And then they would die alone. Leprosy is also highly contagious. <clears throat> it's a highly contagious skin disease. And they were completely ostracized from society so that no one else would get it because it was so terrible. Leviticus 13 says, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, right, as a sign to others, and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his mouth, that is covering his face, and cry out, Unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease, he is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. So if you had leprosy, even the beginning signs of it, you had to leave your wife and your children. You had to leave your church and your friends and all society. You couldn't eat with or visit anyone unless they also had leprosy and were dying too. <clears throat> just imagine, just put yourself in those shoes for a moment. Just imagine a father who found out he had leprosy and then immediately had to leave his wife and children, leave the city and live in the middle of nowhere. And he couldn't love or hug or kiss his wife ever again. Not even to say goodbye this time. He couldn't eat with his family or go back to them again. He couldn't play with his children or teach them anything. He had to watch them grow up from a distance and those poor children had to live with the pain of losing their father from their life even while he was alive. This is heartbreaking. You can't help but have compassion on these lepers, but nobody could help them. <clears throat> now to make matters worse, leprosy had a certain stigma attached to it. The common belief back then was that leprosy was a curse from God. That means that if you had leprosy, then people thought you must have done something to deserve leprosy. Everyone thought this of the lepers, but even worse, the lepers thought this of themselves. They thought that they did something wrong. So not only did they suffer the terrible physical pain and agony of leprosy, and not only did they suffer the mental anguish of an emotional anguish of having to leave their families and everyone they know. But on top of it, they suffered the most terrible spiritual pain, the spiritual pain of guilt while suffering, all at the same time. They thought God forsook them, and they thought he was angry with them, that he was punishing them. They lived the rest of their days under this crushing burden of guilt haunted by their past, that something they did 
caused this. And there's nothing they can do about it now. Today, there's 10 of them. There are 10 men who kind of form a community of lepers. Uh, Nine of them are Jews. One is a Samaritan. Um, They're experiencing this physical, this emotional, this spiritual pain. Rightly speaking, uh, this spiritual pain that we talk about is, is what we call suffering. It's what it means to suffer. Pain is what you feel in the body, but suffering is what you feel in the soul. That is guilt. The, the body experiences pain through uh, bruises and wounds, but the soul suffers through guilt. It's the feeling that God is angry with you, that he's forsaken you. And this is the absolute worst pain anyone could feel. More than any physical pain is the pain of guilt before God of your sins. Now, it it is true that certain sins have their own consequences, and we know this. If you're harsh and unloving to your wife and children, then they will despise you. If you get drunk and wasted, you're going to destroy your life and end up homeless and probably die alone. If you sleep around, you'll get gross and painful diseases. You'll have all sorts of emotional problems and issues with commitment. And the list goes on. These things are consequences. Some sins will give you very predictable consequences, consequences that we all know about. Uh, So there are certain things, yes, that you can bring upon yourself. That is true. However, it is also true that people suffer all sorts of horrible things not because they brought it upon themselves by any specific sin, but because they were born a sinner into a sinful and fallen world. For example, the child who gets cancer didn't do anything to get cancer. The mother who suffers immensely in pregnancy or the mother who loses her baby in miscarriage didn't do anything to deserve it. The man who was struck with the diagnosis of terminal cancer didn't do anything to deserve it. There are pains that we experience that we don't bring upon ourselves. It's not because you doubted God one time in the past or because you lashed out at someone one time or because you didn't help a beggar one time who asked for help. That's the reason you're suffering this way. Those 10 lepers didn't do anything specific to get leprosy. Their leprosy was simply proof that they were sinners living in a sinful world. In the same way, when you suffer like this, it's not because you did anything to deserve it. It simply means that you too are a sinner who lives in a sinful world. I want to make a point that's maybe a little off topic, and then I'll get back on topic. But it uh, relates to suffering. Uh, Over the years, a number of you have told me about your different upbringings and lives and situations and you all have unique things that you've gone through but the one thing you all have in common is that you've all suffered in some great way some more than others with some situation and I'm saying this because it is a mistake to go to church and look around And then conclude that everyone has a better life than you do. (laughs) Or that their life is put together. And that yours isn't. You're the only one that's sticking out this way. Or that you're the only one suffering. Or that everyone else's marriage is perfect. 
and fine. That everyone else's children are obedient and fine. Or that everyone else loves their job and so on and is perfectly fulfilled in life, but you are the only one who is not. I I think social media has wreaked havoc on our minds this way. Social media is not real life. It's, It's a highlight reel of people's lives. When you see it, you think everyone is living this great and wonderful, exciting, event-filled life, and you are the only one who has a boring life with all these problems in it. Uh, This is, I think, why social media use and depression are so closely connected to one another, that they rise and fall together. The more you use it, the more depressed you become. The less you use it, uh, the, the reverse happens. The point I'm making here is that everyone is going through some pain and trial and suffering to some degree, especially, especially if you're in this church, if you're willing to believe it. If you take a moment to talk to the people next to you in church, you'll find that something awful has happened in their life that has rocked their world, that has changed something dramatic in their life, something that they could not control They couldn't explain. They couldn't trace back and say that this was a consequence to something. It just happened. Uh, Okay, I want to get back on topic. I want to tell you that I've noticed and what I've noticed when people uh, tell and say that they're suffering. Uh, And I'm not just picking on you here at Zion. This is something I think every single Christian is tempted to do at one point in their life. That is, when you go through hard times in your life, you start to examine your life. You start to rewind your life in your mind and replay it. And you start wondering, what did I do to deserve this pain? Like these lepers are probably thinking. And that tells me that you feel guilty. That you think God is punishing you. You're trying to find the exact moment that you turned God from your savior to your enemy. This is just our modus operandi when it comes to suffering. This is where our sinful hearts instantly go when we experience a second of grief or pain. And I want to show you that you're not the only Christians to think this way. Uh, In John chapter 9, do you remember what happens when Jesus walks by a man who is born blind? Do you remember what his disciples asked him? They said, who sinned? Was it this man? Or was it his parents? Which, which one sinned? That, which one caused this for him? Was it him or his parents that he was born blind? In other words, who do we blame? Who is responsible for this? And when exactly did they anger God that he would do this to him? Now, I want to go through a few answers before I tell you what Jesus said. But the world has tried to answer this question of suffering in different ways. Hinduism says that suffering is a result of karma. Karma is the teaching that your actions and behavior decide what will happen to you. What you do now, it decides what's going to happen to you in the future. If you are good, then good will come your way. And if you're bad, then bad will come your way. If a child is born blind, then karma says that kid got what was coming to him. That's what it says. He must have done something in this life or a previous one to get this. 
But by the way, this is merciless. We, sh- we should never, ever talk this way about karma and these sort of things. It's a, it's a false and evil and soul-crushing teaching. It, it genuinely is. Uh, the, the other view is that of the Buddhists. <clears throat> the Buddhism will say that all suffering is an illusion. It means that when you're suffering, you're simply confused about life. You've perceived the situation incorrectly. There's no such thing as bad. There's no such thing as good. It, well, you just think it's bad. That's the thing. So uh, if a child is born blind, then Buddhism blames the child for thinking that blindness is a bad thing. Because in reality, everything is nothing. Why do you think blindness is bad? It's not bad. It's just, it, it just is. It's a thing. Uh, you also get the heathens who try to answer this and say that the best way through suffering is simply to ignore it because there's no rhyme or reason to it anyway or to this life. There's no purpose or meaning to suffering. It is what it is, they'll say. So if a child is born blind, then they say, well, guess what? That's life. That's how it goes. It is what it is. There's no meaning. There's no purpose to it. There's no reason why some people see and other people don't. It is nonsense. You see this? That's what the world says about suffering. But what does Jesus say about suffering? He says, when his disciples asked him who sinned, this man or his parents, Jesus said, it was not this man who sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And this is remarkable because it stands in stark contrast to everything the world says. Jesus says that there was a specific purpose to the man's suffering. For this particular man, he was born blind so that they would cross paths in this moment and we would hear about it today, that he would heal him and reveal himself to be the Lord by opening his eyes. In the same way, this is true of all those who are sick and suffering. Those who are, uh, it's true also of those 10 lepers. God had a purpose in their suffering. And the purpose of their suffering was this, that their suffering ended in Jesus. This is why God allowed it. I'm not saying that their suffering ended. Um, I, I, what I don't, I, I'm not simply saying that their suffering ended when Jesus healed them. But I'm saying that their suffering had a purpose and a goal in God's heart. That the goal of their suffering was to bring them to Jesus, to find him in, and to find in him not just relief from their pain and loneliness, but to find in him everlasting peace and forgiveness and salvation. That was the purpose or the goal. He used their suffering to draw them to him. So let me ask you, you suffer. When do you pray more? When you're at the beach or when you're in the hospital? When do you pray more? When you're on vacation Or when you're waiting to hear what the doctor says about you. You you know the saying, there's no atheist in a foxhole. When you have bullets flying across your head, ready to kill you in an instant, you cry out to God in heaven to save you. When you suffer, you remember what matters most in this life. Your suffering isn't needless or meaningless or without purpose. The reason you've suffered the way that you have is so that Jesus would draw you to himself. That is God's goal and purpose for all of the pain in your life. 
This is why he's allowed it. This is why he has sent you even days of sadness. It is not that God is the author or cause of sadness, but that he uses it and sends it to you on the days that you need it, that he knows that you need it most. In his wisdom, he knows which cross to give you that will draw you to himself and to conform you to the image of his son. He uses your suffering to bring you to him so that he would take away all of your sin and give you the kingdom of heaven. That is his purpose. So you each suffer in different ways. You have crosses that are unique, that fit your own uh, shoulders. And his purpose is that the cross he's given to you would lead you to his. But it doesn't always happen. Because even though God wills and designs that pain to draw us closer to him, some people just run away. Some get angry with him and blame him for the sin in this world. And they hate him for what he does in his infinite love and wisdom. For others, once God answers their prayer and finally takes their suffering away when they cry to him, what do they do? They turn around and they run away from him. Like those nine lepers. They get what they want. What they wanted most was not him, but their own health. And they leave Jesus in the dust. What happens is so many people fail to learn any lesson from their years and years of pain and sorrow. And instead, once they get what they want, they no longer see a need for Jesus anymore. And when he has mercy upon them, then they return no thanks to him. And they enjoy the life he gave them without him. Now, I'm getting ready to close here, but I want you to consider what is so amazing about this is that Jesus knew that not everyone would come back and thank him. He knew that not all 10 lepers would return. He knows the majority of this world whom he loves so much won't bother to come to church this morning to thank him for anything. And yet, he still does everything for them. For the unthankful and the ungrateful and the unbelieving, he does good things. And that's because that's who God is. He is long-suffering and patient and kind. He's the God who has mercy upon the entire world, knowing that only a few measly sinners like you and I today would gather together and thank him this morning. And yet, he does it without any regret. He's the God who pours out his life through his wounds. He pays the eternal ransom for your soul through his bitter suffering and death. He atones for the sins of the world. And even though he knows how ungrateful this world will be for it, still he does it day after day. He holds not one drop of bloody sweat back. He pours out every tear that he has in his body unto death for a world that has little to no thanks for him. And this is just the kind of God he is. He is the son of God who loves his father, who loves the spirit and who loves this world. He considers it his glory and honor to love us. Only one returned to give thanks to Jesus for what he did, even knowing his suffering. But we've come back with him. We've stopped in our tracks. We've stopped our plans this morning. 
There are many things that we want to do, would rather do today. And yet we've stopped what we were doing and we've turned around and we've come back to thank Jesus for what he's done. Like that Samaritan, we come to because Jesus healed us from a disease far worse than leprosy, of a fate far worse than death. He healed us from sin, from guilt, and from hell forever. And in him, he's given you more than you've ever lost in this life. And we thank him. And we love him. And not a week goes by that we won't meditate upon what he's done. So dear saints, I don't know why you have to carry the exact cross or why God chose that cross to give you in this life or why you've had to suffer in this exact way. I don't know why God gave it to you to have your exact tragedy or bad news in your own life and home. I don't know why God has piled it on all at the same time. I don't know why, but I do know that God knows why. And I also know that there's a reason that he's done this and that there's never a reason to doubt him. I know that God's holy and gracious will is that you would be his own and live with him forever. He knows how to draw you to himself. He knows what suffering to give you in this brief life to bring to you endless joy in the life to come. So no matter what you're going through, you have one place to turn. And that is to Christ. No matter what you've gone through, you have one place to turn, and that is back to Jesus. Don't despise him in misery and pain, and don't despise him in your days of gladness either. He knows when to send you days of sorrow, when to send you days of joy. He knows how much pain uh, to bring to you, to send your way, and he also knows when to end it. Trust him. He has planned and ordained the day when he will take away all of your sorrows. He knows in that final day how to draw you to himself and heal you from every pain and disease. He knows how to wipe away the tear and every tear from your eyes, just as he promised. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.